from the man in the moon for you Just you He said to tell you there's a bench in the park for you Just you I know you should be sleeping And I'm keeping you away But I'm just delivering a message He told me to take I've got the message saying Love will be round to call And then If we don't meet him He may never be round to call again Hi, this is Michael Weber, Artistic Director of Chicago's Porchlight Music Theater. Thanks for joining us again for WPMT Classic Musicals from the Golden Age of Radio. We have a special show and a very special guest with us today. Uh, the musical that we are looking at is a film musical from that opened July 11th, 1937 in movie theaters, starring none other than the Marx Brothers, Groucho, Harpo, and Chico, with The Day at the Races, which was a follow-up to their film, A Night at the Opera. Our special guest is the incomparable Frank Ferrante, who is currently in the smash hit Cabaret Zazu Presents Luminaire here in Chicago. But Frank is one of the single great knowledgeable voices in America when it comes to all things Marx Brothers, but most specifically the work and the art and the life of Groucho Marx. Frank having appeared in Groucho, A Life in Review, An Evening with Groucho, having directed and acted in The Coconuts and Animal Crackers, recreations of the Marx Brothers' incredible Broadway productions. Thank you so much for being here with us, Frank. Oh, thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure. As I said, this is a, a day at the races, and this is an MGM film. I think so many of us who know the Marx Brothers immediately think of, of Animal Crackers and Duck Soup and their um, productions that they originally did in the early 30s at Paramount Pictures. In the mid-30s, they switched over to MGM. And it was noticed by a number of people that things within the act, the spirit of the act, began to evolve a little bit. Uh, what happened when they went from Paramount to MGM? Well, producer Irving Thalberg thought that the use of a love story, emphasis on a love story, would somehow ingratiate them, I think, to a, a, a wider audience. Uh, the thought was maybe a, a larger female audience. And so that be, that went into play with The Night at the Opera. When we, that, that gave us Kitty Carlisle Hart at the time, Kitty Carlisle and Alan Jones. And they're wonderful, actually, in that film. But some of that wonderful disregard that the Marx Brothers had for uh, the ingenues went out the door and they become uh, proponents of the lovers as opposed to uh, the, uh, the, inter the great, the grand uh, interrupters and invaders of, of, of their work, of their scenes. 
Um, so that changes uh, there. I think they're, they're watered down a bit. And yet some of the funniest, in my opinion, some of the funniest Marx Brothers scenes are in a day at the races. And that's when I first discovered the Marx Brothers when I was 10 years old, mm-hmm. watch Braucho and Chico in the Tootsie Fruitsie ice cream scene and watching the, the two examination scenes, the Marx Brothers with Margaret Dumont, the chaos, the beautifully choreographed chaos with Margaret Dumont and Sigruman. And, and then, of course, the, the Harpo Marx exam is, is hilarious mm-hmm. with Chico and Groucho. But to get to, your, to, get to that shift, uh, it's significant, but there's so many beautiful elements that, that are part and parcel to A Night at the Opera and A Day at the Races. To watch A Night at the Opera on a big screen is a, is a moving experience. I saw it at the Orpheum Theater in Los Angeles I don't know, maybe 30 years ago, and the audience was applauding the credits. George wow. S. Kaufman, Ray Riskin, get applause. Margaret Dumont gets applause. But you understand what they were doing uh, with taking these great works on the road prior to filming them. They took a day at the races, and this is what was different. You know, with, with coconuts and animal crackers, they'd broken in that material, were familiar with the material and the rhythms, of course, and the uh, the, the workings of that, the nuance of the of the dialogue and the interplay. Uh, Monkey Business is different because it was not a Broadway show, nor was Horse Feather, two great films. But with uh, Night at the Opera and Day at the Races, they were on the road. They were in Los Angeles, breaking it in, in San Francisco and Salt Lake City, tweaking, timing, laughs, uh, holding for for pauses and timing those pauses so that when they, as you know, when they would go to film these block scenes, these comedy scenes, they knew what to do. The actors knew hold three beats before you say that line, Mm -hmm. they would change words. I'd love that. I'd rather have it rusty than missing is Mm -hmm. one of the, I'd have it, you know, was the Groucho line when he was washing his hands and his, his, he's washing his watch, takes the watch off. So Sigruman, wouldn't steal it and so they 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 tried multiple words what's the right word what word gets the biggest laugh Mm -hmm. so there was a lot you know there was a certainly a science there's always a science to comedy um there's mathematics involved but they really took it seriously and that was Irving Thalberg who thought let's do it you you are stage performers let's take you on the road and get you back in front of audiences Mm -hmm. and do what you best um so that's that's in play. I mean, there's some beautiful comedy block scenes, mm-hmm. uh, block scenes in A Day at the Races, the uh, the dinner scene with Esther Muir. Mm-hmm. And Groucho gets to do all, you know, he gets to do accents. It's a Florida call. All that, all those great, that great scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dancing scene between, uh, um, among Esther Muir and Margaret Dumont. Change of partners. Mm-hmm. That whole, it's brilliant. You can see what a fantastic dancer. I don't know how, you you can't, Either you got it or you ain't, and Groucho kills it mm-hmm. in that that dance sequence with Dumont and Esther Muir. Um, but there's it's they're still wonderful. The solos are great in the day at the races, not at the opera. And fortunately, we don't get Dr. Hackenbush in the film, but Groucho uh, <laughs> persisted, never stopped singing that song. He sang it on radio, he sang it as part of the promotion mm-hmm. of uh, uh, we don't, you know, the, the the great debate, Michael's, you know, is was it ever filmed? And uh, it's likely it wasn't, but it's still it's still debated whether uh, 
Dr. Hackenbush was filmed, but Groucho was singing it well into his eighties. He sang it on the Bill Cosby show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love singing that song. It's, you know, that's a song that that's so many jokes within the lyrics <laughs> of that tune. I'm all over this answer uh, and your question, but. Um, well, uh, wind up and let you go. <laughs> do you, do you, are you under the impression that the that the Marx Brothers and even you know at, at this time were they ever disciplined filmmakers or or, or is that just a, a lot of lore of of them appearing to be just completely disregarded disregarding directors and disregarding the filmmaking process uh, is that just something that the publicity people put out there or or were the three of them, uh, did they care about the, the 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 work that they were doing? Well, you know, I've seen annotated scripts from a from a night at the opera and a day at the races, annotated by Groucho. Mm-hmm. Groucho, very seriously, Groucho was a master editor of material, particularly his own material. He was a good writer. So he took it seriously. He was disciplined. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's hard to know what's, what's apocryphal, what, what, what the truth is here. I just watched an interview with Zeppo in his later years, and he talks about there being cells, prisons, little jails for each Marx brother to keep them contained and on the set at Paramount. And it's Zeppo himself. It, he's the source. Um, you know, we all know Chico was, was, you know, was distracted. He was, uh, he was a compulsive gambler. He was an addict. Uh, so, you know, you had to keep your eye out on him. But there's no way you can execute a harp solo like Carpo did and and be off and and fooling around. It's hard for me as a performer to think that these guys didn't take it extremely seriously. Uh, They also were powerful figures. They were, you know, I think uh, Day at the Race was one of the highest grossing comedies of 1937. Mm -hmm. Night at the Opera did extremely well as well. Um, You know, it's hard to know, Michael. there may be a little bit of both in there. You know, there might be some truth. They were wild when they were young. They think of their energy, their energy, their physical, their their athletic, their athletes. They're they're charged. They're lovers. They're 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 highly driven. They're highly adrenalized. They're highly functioning and extremely talented. So, there's a feeling I think amongst Marx fanatics that in some. For some, a day at the races is sort of the dividing line. Um, some people tolerate a night at the opera, even though they're a little bit more inclined towards, you know, horse feathers and and, and monkey business. But it's sort of like a day at the races is the one where they're like, this is this was the beginning of a slide. Um, mm-hmm. that was never, uh, is that your feeling as well, or or do you think? Um, that this is still the, a vision of their, a version of the Marx Brothers that you still think are at the top of their powers? Or do you think Irving Thalberg ultimately um, pulled them out from being really themselves? You know, it's a different flavor of Marx Brothers, isn't it? I, uh, but I have to say, I don't think I've ever laughed harder than when I'm watching a day at the races. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, <laughs> carries weight. That that uh-huh. has value. Um, I was grateful when VHS and beta came along so I can fast forward through those production numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really leaned on it. This was MGM and, and Groucho in particular took extreme pride uh, in the fact that he worked at the, the first class studio MGM. Right. I saw Groucho live 
uh, right before he passed away and someone in the, it was a Q and a, and someone in the audience asked him, uh, what's your favorite Marx Brothers movie? And he said, duck soup and paused and said a night at the opera. So that MGM period was significant, certainly for those first two years to Groucho. Mm -hmm. Uh, there is a bit of a slide. You, it does get a little, I guess, from what I understand, Irving Thalberg died while they were in post-production. So the, the, a, day at the races, a day at the race is a little fat. It needs a, it needs a little cutting, it, mm -hmm. tightening. Mm -hmm. And uh, once Thalberg is gone, there is no one to care the way mm -hmm. he did. He was their guy. He was their go-to. He's the one that saw their potential and saw years and years more of, of, of film making with the Marx Brothers, right. whereas B.B. Mayer had no interest. And, uh, and it, it's well reported that Groucho and Louis B. Mayer did not get along mm -hmm. that. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, there's this, that story of, of Louis B. Mayer coming on, you know, uh, coming on to the set of a day at the races when Groucho is filming. And um, uh, Louis B. Mayer says to Groucho, uh, Groucho, how's the picture going? And Groucho turns to him and says, that's none of your business, Mayor. We're working for Irving Thalberg. Imagine <laughs> that. And as the story goes, Groucho says, three days later, Irving Thalberg died and we're working for Louis B. Mayer. So, uh, so you know, Groucho had a way of, at times of sabotaging him, himself. Right. And, and that's what happened in that. You know, it's funny in the movie. It's not so funny in real, real sure. life. Right. Um, that's amazing. Well, it, any way you slice it, A Day at the Races is, is a very funny film. Whether you think it's the uh, end of the beginning or the beginning of the end, it is one of everybody's all-time favorites. What we have for you today, right now, is two preview performances that were presented on the radio. One on a production called Leo is on the Air, which was an MGM production that promoted all of their upcoming uh, new films and their new musical comedies and dramas. The other is a production called Hollywood Hotel, which is hosted by Luella Parsons, one of the great gossip columnists, but she also was one of the great promoters in film history. Frank Ferrante, thanks so much for talking with us about the Marx Brothers and specifically about A Day at the Races. And now we're going to listen to some previews of A Day at the Races from 1937, starting with Leo is on the air. Leo is on the air. Goldwyn-Mayer presents hilarious highlights from and about the picture, A Day at the Races. <laughs> Music. <laughs> Romance. I'm crazy about you. And I love you so, sweetheart. Comedy. Henry, who was that lady I seen you with last night? Brother, that wasn't no lady. That was my wife. Fourteen minutes of diversified entertainment in a program entitled Time. Mark, 
time. Marks is on. With the Marx Brothers. Groucho. Chico. Harpo. And a courteous bow to the producers of the famous radio feature, The March of Time. Into the news swim last week with a resounding splash, pop one Hugo Z. Hackenbush, small-town quack who recently nabbed the number one medical chair of the famed Standish Sanitarium. Hackenbush's triumph in plucking this juicy professional plum brought forth naught but a mixed chorus of boos and cheers, said the anti-Hackenbush faction. Boos! Said the pro-Hackenbush element. Hooray! Unmindful of the hubbub, clever, curt, cute, Hugo Z. Hackenbush... Last week in his spacious offices, bravely defended himself against vicious verbal attacks by medical meanies. Tell me, Dr. Hackenbush, just what was your medical background? Medically? Yes. Well, uh, at the age of 15, I got a job in a drugstore filling prescriptions. Don't you have to be 21 to fill prescriptions? Well, uh, that's for grown-ups. I just filled them for children. No, no, Doctor. I mean, where did you get your experience as a physician? Well, uh, to begin with, I took four years at Vassar. Vassar? But that's a girls' college. I found that out the third year. I'd have been there yet, but I went out for the swimming team. The doctor seems reluctant to discuss his medical experiences. Well, uh, medically, my experiences have been most unexciting. Except during the flu epidemic. Ah, and what happened? I got the flu. Time. Marks is on. Hollywood is the manufacturing center of the nation's music is a fact which can no longer be denied. The birth of radio broke the back of the phonograph record industry, then the chief revenue source of the Sharps and Flat Brigade. When Hollywood found its voice, it set the cue for the first strains of the swan song of Tin Pan Alley. Songwriters suddenly awakened to one cold fact. Go Hollywood or go broke. Go over the Rockies to California or over the hill to the poorhouse. So to the music-making motion picture mecca... March the Doremi Faso Latido boys, the Gershwins, the Whitemans, the Berlins, the Porters, to turn out such hit musicals as Born to Dance, The Great Ziegfeld, and Broadway Melody. Hollywood now supplies America with 90% of the total volume of song hits, its latest lyrical Lulu being Tomorrow is Another Day, from A Day at the Races, and sung by Alan Jones. The day is through, the sun. Descending has brought to you no happy ending, but you can face the setting sun and say, Tomorrow is another day. Share of tears and troubles, but every care will be a bubble if you can face the setting sun and say, Tomorrow is another. 
Harpo Marx has never in his celebrated stage and screen career uttered a solitary word for public consumption. Nary a syllable has he spake. Proof indeed that silence indeed is indeed golden. Last week, however, came the millennium as Harpo broke a tradition of years and agreed to speak over the radio. A thrilled audience sat tense and nervous as Harpo and his interviewer approached the microphone in the studios of XKVYRVTD in the control room. A red light flashed. History in the making. Harpo on the air. Mr. Marks, this is a great occasion for me. Never in your career have you uttered one word from stage or screen. And just think now, I, who all the boys used to call Stinky, am to be the first person to interview you. First, I'd like you to tell our great unseen audience something about your new picture, A Guy at the Rices. We're waiting, Mr. Marks. Thank you, Mr. Marks. Thank you, Mr. Interviewer. And as Harpo Marks is out, time. Marks is on. Throughout American key cities during the coming fortnight, loud hazanas will greet the initial showing of a day at the races. Thrilled audiences will chuckle with glee <laughs> at the superb comedy of the Brothers Marx. Applaud enthusiastically at the singing of Alan Jones. Whistle in amazement <whistles> at lavish production numbers. Stamp their feet in rhythm with such hip music as on blue Venetian waters, sung by Alan himself. Tonight we will be gay, turning away from our Oh, 
tell me secrets your lips cannot say. While I'm singing a love song of love dreams come Sated with entertainment, emerged from a famous Hollywood theater after witnessing a preview of the Marx Brothers' opus. They were the subjects of radio's newest broadcasting stunt, the roving reporter with the lapel microphone. Picking patrons at random, reporter Elias of station XKBYRVTD buttonholed them for opinions of the musical picture. Good evening, ma'am. Would you mind telling us in a few words what you thought of a day at the races? Yo creo que la película de los hermanos Marx, Un día en las carreras, es la más cómica que he tenido el gusto de ver. Very interesting, I hope. And you, sir, may we have your opinion? Je crois que le film, un jour aux courses, est le plus drôle que j'ai jamais vu. <laughs> quite true, quite true. And the young lady with the little dog, will you say a few words about the picture? <laughs> okay, lady, okay, no offense meant. Ah, here's my old friend, Mr. Christophilus Papadopoulos. How about a little statement for us, Pop? I thought it was magnificent entertainment. Beautifully conceived, handsomely produced, intelligently presented, and fairly sparkling with the most effective comedy since the last election. In my opinion, if anything is better than a night at the opera, it is Groucho, Chico, Harpo, Alan Jones, and Marino Sullivan in a day at the races. Thank you, Mr. Papadopoulos. Time. Marks is on. In addition to the gnashing of the teeth of the producers of the justly famous March of Time, you have heard the Marx Brothers, Groucho, Chico Harpo, the singing voice of Alan Jones, and the music of the Metro Golden Mayor Orchestra under the direction of Franz Watson. All And a blue bunnies in the water together. Well, hi, hi, hi. Gary, a candy fruitsy ice cream. I got a message from the man of the moon for you. Just you. Time. Marks is on. If you can face the setting sun and
happen on that beach at Bally Bally. Oh, it wasn't long till we were holding hands. And as we trucked along that beach together, she kissed me and she promised to be mine. Boy, you could have knocked me over with a feather. When she told me that she came from Caroline When I first sailed across the ocean To find romance across the sea I never had the slightest notion I'd meet the girl who used to live next door to me And now we have a cottage in the valley And a little something else that's hers and mine It started on that beach at Bally Bally And ended up way down in Caroline Porchlight Audience Services Manager, August Compton. Thank you for listening to WPMT. If you value programming like this, please consider making a donation today at porchlightmusictheater.org. We appreciate your consideration and hope you enjoy the show. And now at last comes the long-awaited successor to A Night at the Opera, the crowning achievement of the Marx Brothers' spectacular career, Metro Golden Mares, A Day at the Races. latest and most pretentious Marx Brothers epic, lovely Maureen O'Sullivan plays the role of Judy Standish, who is running a sanitarium left to her by her father. Unscrupulous gambling interests are trying to force her out, and it looks as if they'll succeed until a wealthy patient saves the day by bringing in a Dr. Hackenbush as chief of staff. Dr. Hackenbush, played by Groucho, is the one hope of saving the sanitarium. And as our story opens, we find him being welcomed by the staff. So this is Dr. Hackenbush, the famous medico. You're welcome, Dr. Hackenbush. If that's the case, I'll go. Oh, no, you mustn't go. Who said I mustn't go? The only reason that I came is so that I can go. I'm Dr. Hackenbush. My medical standing's very high. Well, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dr. Hackenbush. He's Dr. Hackenbush. I'm Dr. Hackenbush. As a matter of fact, to be exact, I'm Dr. Hackenbush. I'm sure they all would like to hear some facts about your great career. Although my horn I hate to blow, there's one thing that you ought to know. I'm Dr. Hackenbush, which all my friends will verify. Well, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dr. Hackenbush. He's Dr. Hackenbush. I'm Dr. Hackenbush. You never would guess, but nevertheless, I'm Dr. Hackenbush. For ailments abdominal, my charges are nominal. Though I'm great for, I've a rate for tonsillectomy. Sick and healthy, poor and wealthy, come direct to me. Oh, God bless you, they yell. When I send them home, well, 
But they never, no, they never send a check to me. I've won a claim for curing ills, both in the north and south. You'll find my name is like my pills in everybody's mouth. I've never lost a case. He's never lost a case. I've lost a lot of patients, but I've never lost a case. My diagnosis never fails. I know just what to do. Whenever anybody ails, I'm sympathetic too. My heart within me melts. His heart within him melts. No matter what I treat him for, they die from something else. When your nerves start to rock, put your faith in your doc. When you're sick, he will stick to the end. With the possible exception of your mother, a doctor's a man's best friend. Yes, a doctor's a man's best friend. A doctor's a man's best friend. Whoa, a doctor's a man's best friend. A man's best friend. A doctor's a man's best friend. Right or wrong, wrong or right, night and day, day and night, on his call you can always depend. With the possible exception of your mother and your father and your uncle and your brother and your nephews and your nieces and your sisters and your dozens who you number by the dozens. A doctor's a does his best to save the sanitarium for Judy, but his best is none too good. It looks as if the girl will lose, and she turns to Gil Stewart, a singer at the local casino, for help and consolation. Gil, played by Alan Jones, does his best to cheer her up, and of course, the best way he knows is with another song. desperate for Judy, and the resourceful Dr. Hackenbush decides to raise the money for her by betting on an inside tip at the races. At the track, he meets Tony, who seems to be selling ice cream from a pushcart. Tony, played by Chico, happens to have a tip on the same horse as Dr. Hackenbush, and his real purpose at the track is to keep everyone else from betting on him. Tony figures that the less money bet on the horse, the longer the odds will be. As our scene opens, we find Groucho at the ticket window, Chico passing by. Here's your ice cream, footsie, footsie ice cream. Two dollars on sun up. Hey, boss. Hey, boss. You want something hot? 
Not now. I just had lunch. Anyhow, I don't like hot ice cream. Hey, boss, I don't sell ice cream. That's the fake at the fool of the police. I sell the tips on the horses. You want something good today? I've got something good. Run along. I'm betting on sunup. Two dollars on sunup. Right. Wait, the boss, wait. Sunup is the worst horse in the track. I notice he wins all the time. Oh, that's just because he comes in first. <laughs> well, I don't want him any better than first. Two dollars on sunup. Right. Hey, boss, listen. Suppose you bet on sunup. What do you get for your money? Two to one. Two to one? It says up on the board there, sunup, ten to one. <laughs> that's the time he went home last night. Say, that lady Lou is quite a tram. She didn't get home till eight to five. Come on, boss. What do you say? One dollar and you remember me, remember me all your life. That's the most nauseating proposition I've ever had. <laughs> Come on, boss. You look like a sport. Come on over here. For one dollar, I give you a horse that'll make you rich. For one dollar. One dollar, eh? Well, all right. Here you are. Thanks, boss. And here's your envelope. What's in his envelope? That's the horse. How do you get in here? <laughs> well, I'll open it. What's this? Z-V-B-X-R-P-L. I had that same horse when I had my eyes examined. <laughs> Get your ice cream. Get hey, ice cream, come over here. What's the matter? What about this optical illusion you just slipped me? I don't understand it. <laughs> well, that's the name of the horse in code. Code? What do you mean, code? Well, look in your code book. That will tell you what horse you got. Ice cream, tootsie fruitsie ice cream. Hey, wait a minute. What do you mean, code book? I haven't got a code book. You know, got a code book? No. You know where I can get one? Well, just by accident, I think I got a one in the wagon. Here. How much is it? Uh, that's a free. Oh, thanks. Yeah, just a one dollar printing charge. <laughs> well, give me one without printing. I'm sick of printing. Gonna oh, to keep it. You want to win, don't you? Yes, of course. But I don't want the savings of a lifetime wiped out in the twinkling of an eye. Come on, a boss, you look like a sport. Only one dollar. Well, all right. Now, let's see what it says. Excuse mm. me, boss. Be right back. Two dollars on sunup. Right. Hey, ice cream, come here. Right away, boss. Uh, that's some book, eh? Yeah, well, I can't make head or tail out of it. Oh, that's all right. Just look in your master code book. That will tell you where to look. What do you mean, master code book? I haven't got any master code book. You know got a master code book? No. Do you know where I can get one? Well, just by accident, I think I got one in the wagon. Certainly a lot of quick accidents around here for a quiet neighborhood. Now, just a minute. Is there a printing charge on this? No. Oh, thanks. Yeah, just a $2 delivery charge. <laughs> what do you mean, delivery charge? I'm standing right next to you. Well, for such a short distance, I'd make it a dollar. Well, couldn't I move a little closer and make it 50 cents? Yes, but then I'd move over here again and make it a dollar just the same. Hey, maybe I better open the charge account. You got us some references? The only one I know around here is you. That's no good. You'll have to pay cash. All right. You know, a little while ago, I could have put two dollars on sunup and avoided all this. Yes, and throw your money away. Now, let's see where we are. Z-V-B-X-R-P-L. The letter Z stands for J, unless the horse is a filly. Give your ice cream. Give hey, listen, Tootsie Frutzy, is the horse a filly? I don't know. Look in your breeder's guide. Give your ice cream. What do you mean, breeder's guide? I haven't got any breeder's guide. You haven't got a breeder's guide? Shh, not so loud. I don't want it to get around that I haven't got a breeder's guide. <laughs> Even my best friends don't know I haven't got a breeder's guide. Well, boss, I feel sorry for you walking around without a breeder's guide. Why are you throwing your money away buying those other books without a breeder's guide? Well, where can I get one as though I didn't know? 
One is no good. You gotta have the whole set. You know, all I wanted was a horse, not a public library. How much is it? One dollar a piece or four for five. Well, all I've got is a two-foot shove, but all right, give him. Thanks, boss. Excuse me. Be right back. Hmm, I started with one book. Now I'm all set. That says here, uh, let's see, it says here, uh, Z-V-B-X-R-P-L is B-U-R-N-S. That's funny. Hey, Tootsie Fretzy. You got us some trouble, boss? Yeah, this book says I got Burns. There's no horse named Burns. Well, you see, that's at the jockey. Some of the days they give you the jockeys instead of the horse. Now you find out who a jockey Burns is riding, and that's the horse you bet on. Just to look in the book. Oh, I'm getting the idea, all right. For a while, I didn't get the hang of it. Now, let's see. Uh... No, no, it's not that book. Then maybe it's in... No, no, it's not that book. Well, then surely it's... No, no, it's not that book. No, no you haven't got that book. <laughs> oh, you've got it, huh? It won't be long before I get it, though, will it? Get your Tootsie Frutzing. I'm getting a fine Tootsie Frutzing right here. <laughs> all right, here. But that's the last book I'm buying. Here's a $10 bill, and hurry up with the change. Sorry, boss, I got a no change. I'll have to give you nine more books. <laughs> hey, that's enough. Stop it. You want me to get eye strain? Say, you don't handle any bookcases, do, do you? There you are, boss. That's all the books there is. But what horse have I got? Jockey Burns. He's riding 152. Why, that's a Rosie. Rosie, yeah, and I was going to bet on sunup. Thanks for the tip. Hey, mister, $2 on Rosie. I'm sorry, sir. That race is over. Over? Who won? Sunup. Shut up, but that's my horse. Hey, you pay me off. That's the fine. Goodbye, boss. Hey, you're going to keep it the wagon. Well, that's something. Ice cream, get your tootsie frutzy ice cream. Director Sam Wood and you, Alan Jones. George Jessel, Al Jolson, Gus Edwards, Martin Fried. Ruby and Calmer for the Dr. Hackenbush song. And all you others who have helped make Parsons' party night one of the gayest and most delightful evenings we've ever had in our orchid room. And a warm hand clasp to you, Weber and Fields. We hope you enjoyed it. Well, Ken, it's time for you to come to bat again. Step right up to the plate. Okay, Jerry, and speaking of plates, I want to say that more and more appetites everywhere are stepping right up to the plate all the time for Campbell's tomato soup. How many more, did you ask? Well, let's figure it out this way. Today, women are buying more than twice as much Campbell's soup as they did only three years ago. And the fact that Campbell's tomato soup has led the soup parade for years will give you some idea of the increased number of people that are going for this great soup all the time. And when I say going for it, I mean in a big way. First of all, it tastes good. So good, in fact, that its distinctive flavor has never been equaled. What's more, this popular soup is sustaining and nourishing without being heavy. You'll find it fills the bill exactly as the main part of a thoroughly enjoyable lunch or supper. There's a thought. Why not plan to serve it for tomorrow's lunch? All in favor, say aye. aye. Ah, that's the idea. And don't forget to say to your grocer in the morning, Campbell's tomato soup, please. Good night was my Meet us again in the orchid room. Next and so ends another memorable evening at Hollywood Hotel. Next week, the makers of those fine Campbell soups will bring you six delicious flavors, strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. And a tootsie frutzie. <laughs> and a wild gooseberry. <laughs> Next week, Luella Parsons will bring us her guest stars, Gilbert Rowland, Helen Mack, Lou Ayers, and Lionel Atwell in scenes from the Paramount production, The Last Train from Adrift. And remember, there's never a cover charge on the orchid room for the friends of Campbell soup. 
Just ask your grocer tomorrow for Campbell's tomato soup, and we'll reserve a table for you in the orchid room next Friday night. Until then, Campbell's a good soup bid you good night. Hollywood Hotel comes to you direct from Hollywood, California. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. The Marx Brothers used radio as an adjunct to their blossoming movie careers. While the boys came roaring out of vaudeville with a combination of sight gags and wacky wordplay that more than filled the silver screen, they did have occasional shows on radio. Beagle, Shyster, and Beagle, then Flywheel, Shyster, and Flywheel, was about lawyers, of course. Groucho, the affront man for the team, played Waldorf T. Beagle, attorney at law unless he took lunch, at which point he was attorney at lunch, and so on. Chico played Emmanuel Ravelli, Beagle's assistant. Many of the routines from the lawyer show were used in the brothers' film Duck Soup. Later in 1934, they had a show called The Marks of Time, and Groucho played Ulysses H. Drivel, a reporter. Chico was Pinelli. Harpo's career on radio was severely hampered for obvious reasons. Zeppo was rarely included on radio, but then the same for him went on stage and film. Groucho carried on in radio for years after the Marx Brothers' heyday as a special guest on numerous programs. He tasted failure once when he lost the chance to do a normal husband role in a series tentatively titled The Flotsam Family. The producer saw film actor William Bendix retooled the show and called it The Life of Riley. Of course, Groucho, always ready with a good cigar and a better comeback, went on to do You Bet Your Life, both on radio and TV, bringing him to a new generation too young to know the Marx Brothers' film triumphs of the 1930s. There's an old Italian phrase. It's an old Italian phrase. Every little bambino learns it the very first day. Every sweet signorino says it the very same way. These funny little words don't really mean a thing. It's just a phrase that nowadays Italians love to sing. Così, cosa. It's a wonderful world, tra-la-la-la. When anyone asks you how you are, it's proper to say, Così, cosa, così, cosa. If a lady should ask you if you care, you don't have to start a love affair. Say, Così, cosa, does it mean yes and no? Does it mean no? Well, yes and no, Così, cosa. Get together and sing tra-la-la-la It's easy this way, so try today And learn to say così cosa Così Theaters across the country need your support now, more than ever. We hope you'll consider a donation to Porchlight Music Theater today. Just go to porchlightmusictheater.org. Until next time on Classic Musicals from the Golden Age of Radio, I'm Michael Weber. Michael Weber